a final study on the Lord's Prayer, how to pray. Um, Matthew, the sixth chapter, Jesus taught his disciples, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give it... Uh, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one now uh, some transcripts uh, and and translations I believe the King James Bible adds uh, this phrase for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen Um, a lot of the newer translations who try to be more technical to the earliest translations, they say that some of the earliest recorded copies of the New Testaments do not have that little phrase in it. So that's why a lot of you, like the NIV translation and stuff, do not have that phrase. Certainly not a problem. It's certainly not anti-biblical. So, and we certainly pray on Sunday morning when we pray the Lord's Prayer together, we add that. So I certainly have no problem with it uh, in any way, shape, or form. It certainly rounds the whole deal out that all of this is about God's glory and for his kingdom and his purpose. That's why we're here. That's why we pray. That's why we do any of this stuff. This is not a Christian uh, country club. This is not some kind of just, you know, self-help group. You know, we're not just a bunch of recovering alcoholics, although some of us might be. <laughs> you know, this isn't some, you know, socialized... This is a church that is here for the kingdom of God. All of this is for his kingdom, his glory, his power to be advanced in the earth. That's why we exist. So it's certainly a good phrase to add in. Now, I have gone through every little phrase in this because Jesus taught us this is how you should pray. Not necessarily what you should pray, though it's certainly fine to pray. We pray it every Sunday here. Uh, I pray this prayer every day. Um, but I use it as the outline of how to pray. And uh, it helps me to pray in accordance to the will of God, which is an important thing. Um, in First John, we read where he says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, then bada bing, bada boom, we know that we have what we asked of him. This is where our confidence comes from. When we're praying according to God's will and putting things out there, your kingdom come, your will be done. We know that, that God can, uh, according to his will, hear and move in our lives. Now, um, several things about the Lord's Prayer. First of all, what, what really struck me about this, and, and this goes back years and years when I was first looking at some of these things about prayer and stuff. You can't help but be struck by the brevity of the prayer. It's not very long. Now, you would think, you know, they come to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. He would have said, well, first you start like this, and then you do this, and you got to remember this, and then you got to build on this, and then you do this, and then you turn around and you twist over here, and then you got to do this for a while. And, you know, kind of like a lot of prayer conferences, which is fine. This, this is, you know, when they talk about how to pray, and they're building on it. Of course, by the time they're done, you think, man, prayer takes like an hour and a half to pray every day. Uh, and there are times of extended prayer. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Now, those of you who really feel called to a ministry, of prayer might find yourself spending a great deal of time every day in prayer but having said that you still cannot get past the fact that when they came to Jesus and said teach us how to pray he nailed them with a prayer that takes about 25 seconds and that's when you're taking your time okay so does that mean that you only have to pray for 25 seconds no but on the other hand don't feel because a lot of times people don't pray because they think they don't have the time to pray 
A lot of you guys, you know, you're busy and you're running around and you're working late and you're getting up early and I'm trying to pray and we don't pray. Don't do that. You can pray. Prayer doesn't have to take a really long time. Now, uh, I... Uh, generally do not go into my prayer time with a stopwatch. I know a lot of people do. It's, it's part of their discipline. It ke- keeps them praying for a real long time. I don't. If you struggle with these things, I really recommend you don't. It's not about how long you pray. It's about praying at all. The number one reason people don't get answers to the prayer is this. They don't pray. It's just that simple. Now there's lots of other reasons, but if you don't pray, that's most people's problems, you're never going to get answers to prayer. So don't stay away from prayer because you feel this obligation to do this big, long deal. It doesn't have to be. Sometimes it can grow into that, fine, just you know, as you have time and as God lays it on your heart. But to pray very simply, and I use the Lord's Prayer every day when I pray in my personal prayer life. As the outline. Why? Because Jesus said this is how you should pray. So when I pray, this is how I pray. And I start out. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, I love you and I praise you and I thank you for your kindness in my life. I thank you, God, that from your position in heaven, you can see the end from the beginning. You know my steps. I pray that you would guide and direct me today. Help me, Lord God, as I honor you and worship you and serve you to be the greatest blessing I can in your, in your kingdom. Sometimes I might get caught up and spend a time just worshiping and praising God. Sometimes it might be just that short, depending on how much time I got. But I pray, nonetheless. Then I say, your kingdom come. God, help us to advance your kingdom. God, bless the church. Bless all of those who are involved in the work of the church. Bless the people in the church. God, bless our people. Help them to truly experience your glory. Your kingdom coming. We can truly experience God. Help us to advance your purposes in the earth. Everything that we do. I pray about our church ministry. I pray for the other pastors. Hopefully y'all pray for me because I need it. And, uh, and, and I pray for the opportunities that God has given us with our marriage ministry, whatever area I'm in. I pray about these things. And again, you don't have to spend an hour and a half on everything, but just take these concerns and ask God to move in these particular areas. Ask him to answer specific prayers in your life concerning the kingdom of God, about the advancing of your kingdom. It's a good way to pray rather than just walking in the door and say, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, thanks, see you later. Better to start worshiping and thanking God and praying about his concerns first and foremost. God, help us to touch the world. Help us to touch the world we live in. Help us to have a real impact right here in Green Bay. Wherever we go, whatever we do, help us to touch people's lives for your kingdom's sake. Even the people I might meet today. Even the people that I work with today. Even the nitwits that really irritate me today. You know, you ever pray the nitwit prayer? I pray it often. <laughs> you know, because you just run into nitwits out there. All you got to do is go shopping for a while. and just, That's why I don't like going shopping, because I run into nitwits. And they drive me crazy. And I say, God, help me be nice to all the nitwits in my life today. Help me love people. Help me to smile at people. Help me to be patient with people. Help me to be kind with people. You have to realize that for a lot of people, we're the only Jesus they'll ever see. We're as close to heaven as a lot of people will ever get. Let's not forget that we represent God's kingdom and and pray that God help us to advance your kingdom. Your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. Number one, God, that your will will be done, that we do things your way. No matter what you pray, at the end, you've always got to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. You know, for some reason, this isn't right for me, then, then let it pass. Otherwise, God, I ask you for this. 
I'm trusting you for this. The fact that we can experience God on earth as it is in heaven. This isn't just pie in the sky after you die. I pray for you guys. I pray when you come into this place that you'll truly experience God. Again, I don't want this to be some kind of religious country club. It's a nice place. almost looks like a country club in some spots. But it has nothing to do with it. This is not about that. This is about a fellowship of faith, a family of faith. I pray that God will help us to connect with one another, that we can truly experience some of heaven here. Because he said, on earth, as it is in heaven. So, uh, you know, uh, a lot of these people, I don't like them. Well, you better get used to it, because you're going to spend eternity with them. You, you don't know who's going to be next door. Could be Pastor Lathan. And you've got to endure him for eternity. <laughs> no, he's a great guy. Um, <laughs> I love him. Give us today our daily bread. God, meet our needs today. This is a great time where you can come to God with your list, man. Because we all got the list. You know what I'm saying? Lord, I need, we need help here. We need you to move in this situation. And God, don't forget this. And, you know, God, we got this bill. I don't know how we're going to pay this. But God, help us to get it together. Bless us. Help us to succeed financially. Give us today our daily bread. But focus on, on short terms. Don't get all freaked out about what's going to happen down the road. Don't live in Worriesville. You know, just live more in today. We, we talked about that when we got to this part of it. Focus more on, on to your immediate needs right now. Tomorrow's got enough problems. It'll take care of itself, Jesus taught us. Don't be worrying and freaking and falling apart on things that are coming, disasters that you perceive that you don't know if they're really going to happen or not. All right? Um, ask for God to meet our needs. I pray that God meet the needs of the church, that the church will be blessed financially, that God will help us to uh, continue to do the things that he wants us to do so that we can provide the services and the ministries to people uh, um, that we're involved in, whatever our needs are, all across the board, that God would provide those needs. God wants to provide those needs for people. So I pray about that. And then forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. God, help me to forgive people. Help me to walk in forgiveness with people. And, and I tell you, you don't have to be around very long before you realize people will hurt you. People will insult you. People will highly irritate you. There may be days it could be me. Okay? What do you do? We need to walk in forgiveness. Don't be taken down. Oh, I remember that guy did this on that day. I'll never forgive him for that. You know. Don't be thinking like that. Let people go. Let it go. Goodness great. But he hurt me. Get a life. Move on. People hurt you. People are hanging on to people. Hurt them. And I remember that guy. Don't live like that. You live like that. That will choke out the blessings of God in your life. Let it go. Why should I? Because you need God to let your stuff go. That's why. I got to walk in forgiveness because I need all the breaks I can get. Are you hearing me? Man, I want to walk around. God, you know, forgive all of my sins. And if God ever says, anybody owe you anything? Nope, not a thing. Nope. Give me a break, God. <laughs> you know, I want to walk in forgiveness. Jesus said, remember at the end of this prayer, he says, if, if, if you don't forgive people, God won't forgive you. Ho Chi Mama, that's a big deal. Somebody, somebody wrote me a big theological question. The email must have been that long about, you mean God will forgive this? Da, da, da. What do you? And I, I just sent it back. All I'm saying is, if you don't forgive people, God won't forgive you. And they wrote back, what does that mean? All it means is, if you don't forgive people, God won't forgive you. I'm not going to get into it. 
I'm not going to get into some big Armenian Calvinistic, you know, debate, you know, smarter than people than me have debated these things and gotten nowhere. I'm just going to teach the Bible and you draw whatever conclusion you want with it. Say, well, look, yeah, good night. People just, what does all of this mean? I don't know. Go away. It means I need to forgive you because you're irritating me. That's what it means. You know, just walk in forgiveness with people, you know. Well, what, what does that mean? You know, who knows? I, I, you know, you don't want to risk things. It's almost like people are arguing for why they don't have to forgive people. Man, you're barking up the wrong tree, Jack. You need to just walk in forgiveness and be kind to people. That's, that's basically, that, that's where this prayer comes to. And then he finally ends with, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we need to pray, God, deliver us from temptation. As I taught the last time, we need to pray, God, keep me from falling into stupid sins. Stupid sins. I pray all the time, God, keep me from doing something stupid that will embarrass me, that will embarrass my family, that will embarrass my church, that will embarrass the kingdom of God. You say, you afraid of that stuff? You absolutely believe it. Bigger men than me have done stupid things and sold their ministries right down the toilet for nothing. And if it's happened to them, it can happen to this Puerto Rican. And I pray to God, God, don't let me go there. Keep me away from that stuff. God, you know me. It amazes me that God uses me at all because I know me. And... uh, if he would have come to me for a recommendation, I probably would have turned me down. So, nah, I wouldn't deal with that guy, God. But, uh, you know, I just, God, keep me from this stuff. And then, and then, and then I pray, uh, you know, especially for my family and friends, all those that work closely with me, that God will do the same in their lives. Keep us from the enemy. Keep us from harm. Keep us from, you know, the devil hates your guts. He really cannot stand you. He will do everything and anything he possibly can to destroy your faith, to turn you astray, to physically harm you, to emotionally harm you. I mean, I just pray, God, deliver us from the evil one. Keep us away from him. Keep us away. So, well, I'm not worried about that. Well, you ought to be. The Bible says when a man thinks he stands, he should take heed lest he falls. Just about the time you think you got this made. You got it. You're cool. You're not going to have any problem. I won't have problems in that area. I never have problems. You better look out because that's when trouble comes. And, and I pray, God, keep us from this stuff. And I pray, God, keep our church away from stuff. God, that, uh, let our church be real and pure. Not that we're holier than anybody else, but let's not be having affairs and sexual sins and lying and cheating, all that garbage. God, keep us from that stuff. Deliver us from the evil one. Help us to be the kind of people you can bless and use and build a strong family of faith. And then I end it with, you know, for yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now this is kind of a sample prayer time, especially when I'm on the run. That's about five and a half, six, seven, eight minutes, you know. So, um, and other times, well, I'll take much longer and spend an hour, hour and a half in prayer, just going into various details and stuff like that. But that's not the issue. The issue is to pray. Bring to God your concerns. Offer them up to him. And, uh, and don't be freaked out if you don't have um, all the time in the world to do it. And then, finally, um, learn to grow in your faith. You know, you just don't get to great faith overnight. 
And Jesus clearly taught that there are varying degrees of faith. He talked to some people, say, "You got such little faith," and other people say, "Wow, you got great faith." You know, just so obviously there's varying degrees of little faith, big faith, in between faith, huge faith, dynamic faith. You know, well, we all, I hope, want to get to a place where we have great dynamic faith that can, you know, man, really have an impact. But but you don't get there overnight. Let me encourage you: start small. Especially those of you who haven't uh, been in this very long. You know, trust God for, these, for the little miracles in your life. Those little answers to prayer. And cherish those answers to prayer. And then grow into bigger answers. And it gives you more faith. And then you can trust God for something even bigger. And, that's, you, know, and you can really grow and, 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 and really succeed in life. The reason that I'm able to trust God for the things in my life isn't because I'm so big or holy or anything like that. It's just that look back where I've come from. And, I, and, I, and God has taken me to various steps. And I've seen him do incredible things in our lives life and when I get into real trouble what I do is I sit back and I reflect on the answers he's already given me because it brings me confidence in fact if you read the Bible oftentimes when these guys would pray they would start by reflecting back on what God had done in the past God you did this in the past God you did that in the past and God you answered this and God you delivered us from Egypt and God you did this and this and this and this and this. why because reflecting back on what God has done in your life will build your faith so you can trust God for the new challenges that are there. Now, a great example of this is found in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. We're going to go into the Old Testament here for a bit. And uh, this is a a very classic uh, story in the Old Testament. This is the story of David and Goliath. And I want to go through this with you uh, briefly tonight and uh, take a look at at David's life here in in this particular instance when he conquered, you know, the big Philistine, the big... uh, you know, giant Goliath. You find the story in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. It, it, it reads, now, the Philistines, this is the army that was against Israel, always given Israel grief. The Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokah in Judah. They pitched camp at uh, Ephes Damim between Sokah and Azekah. That's, that's just south of Green Bay here a little bit. Anyway, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew, and drew up the, their battle line to meet the Philistines. So, the Philistines, on verse, in verse 3, says, they occupied one hill and the Israelites the other hill. And the valley was between. So every day they would come out and, and the other guys would get on their hill and go, rah, 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 rah. they didn't do anything. They just got lined up and yelled. This is, this is kind of a standoff, to say the least. And it says, now a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. Now this dude was over nine feet tall. He was a big boy. Big boy. Just felt sorry for his mama. Big boy. Nine. <laughs> nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, wearing 5,000 shekels. And on his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a big old weaver's rod, and its iron point alone weighed 600 shekels. That was on the end of the spear. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So he had this guy who was the shield bearer. That had to really be a lousy job. <laughs> Especially for him. <laughs> you know, they'd have guys, you know, if all that stuff weighed, how much was the shield weighing? I'd hate to have him go out there and carry my shield. Ugh. Anyway, so this was this guy's job. Anyway, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel's, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Or are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I, O 
overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man, let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You have to remember, back in those days, um, they didn't have guns. They didn't, you know, gun is quite the equalizer. Little skinny guys like me, well, I'm not so skinny anymore, but little guys like me, can, you know, I guess a great big guy has a pretty good chance, just whoever hits who first, right, with the guns. Back in those days, it was just the biggest dude usually won. And, you know... Here's a nine-foot-tall guy. And I don't know how tall these guys were. My guess is they weren't near, near anywhere near that tall. But they, they, it was very frightening to them. So they freaked out. And it says in verse 16, For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now, what kind of battle is this? 40 days. 40 days these guys would all line up and go at each other. And, uh, and then break for lunch. I don't know what the deal was. Uh, was. All right, that's good. Great job. Great day yelling today, Bob. Good yelling. All right. Uh, tomorrow, a little more yelling in the tenor section. All right. I don't know what they were doing. Every day, 40 days. And then they'd go. And they just get in this big, big, fat, tall guy would come out and yell at them all. And then they'd break and go, go home. Well, early in the morning... On this particular day, after 40 days, uh, David left the flock with, with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. Now his dad, Jesse, had told him, go bring some food and stuff to uh, your brothers out there fighting this big battle. Not much of a battle, if you ask me. A lot of shouting. Anyway, he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Woo-hoo! Which they had obviously rehearsed quite to the detail by this time. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. Well, David left his things with the keeper of supplies, and he ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, uh, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and now David heard it. Well, now the Israelites had been saying, verse 25, skipping just a little bit, uh, now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. (laughs) And that's what they said. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. Number two, he will also give him his father's uh, daughter, his daughter in marriage. And three, will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. So, these guys are all talking. Listen, whoever kills this guy gets the money, gets the babe, and no taxes. <laughs> gets the money, the babe, and no taxes. And, and uh, he said, well, David is much too spiritual for that. He was doing it for the glory. God. No, actually, it says in the next verse, David asked the guy next to him, uh, uh, what will be done for the man who, who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the God? And they repeated to him what they had been saying. This is what will be done for the man. He gets the money, he gets the babe, and no taxes. And, and then Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with these guys and got really ticked off at him. He said, why, why have you come down here? And who did you leave those sheep out in the desert with? He says, I know how conceited you are, you little snot. How wicked your heart is. You came only down here to watch the battle. And David says, it really sounds like brothers. Now what have I done? Can I even talk? <laughs> His classic brother stuff, right? Can I even speak? Then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. Third time now. He said, no, 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 wait a minute. What, you know, bug off. Leave me alone, big brother. What, no, we're talking money, babe, and no taxes here. This man felt highly motivated. 
to go fight. So I never noticed that before. That's because you over-spiritualize stuff too much. The reality is that's what got David's attention. The money, the babe, and no taxes. You need to know something. Even when you're out there doing the will of God, God is cool with you being blessed and succeeding. You know, Jesus said, don't, he didn't tell people, just pray what God wants. He said, pray whatever you want. Ask whatever you want. Come to God with your needs. Now, if you'll seek first the kingdom, if you'll pray the right way, if you'll be more concerned about God than yourself, God will still bless you. But here's David, he's out there fighting for the kingdom of God, but I gotta tell you, his number one motivation at the time was money, girl, and no taxes. Well, so, um, he finally says, uh, Verse 32. Well, David says to Saul, he says, no, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been a fighting man from his youth. Now, many Bible scholars believe David was anywhere from 16 to 18 years of age at this time. Uh, But David said to Saul, look, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock... I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Pretty much because Saul thought he was going to die. Now, check out this story. We look at how David got this incredible surge of confidence to go and take out this guy. We're like, wow, that, that's, that's just amazing that this boy would come from nothing to that. But he didn't come from nothing. Because he had already experienced victories, though smaller scale, that brought him to the place where he was on this day. He had an encounter with a bear, takes on the bear. A lion comes after his stuff, takes on the lion. He kills these creatures. I mean, this guy is a feisty little guy. And it was because of the confidence from these earlier events. And he's telling the king, look, God gave me victory here. God gave me here over the lion, over the bear. I'm ready to take on this guy. Now, this guy is way bigger than a lion or a bear. But it didn't matter. He had his confidence up. All that to say this to you. Let God start answering prayers even in the smallest way in your life. Don't get frustrated that you can't maybe tackle the biggest issues in your life. But grow in your faith. The more that you experience God, the more confidence will be built inside of you. And the more you can trust him for the next step of faith. I'll never forget one of the first prayers I ever received an answer to I was uh, I was 16 years old I, I had not been raised in the church well I was raised in an ecclesiastical church and did all the religious stuff but I didn't really know much about real faith and, and knowing God and I experienced Jesus as my personal savior when I was 16 years old um, uh, and basically I was a mess I was just the trouble wrapped up in a mess you know and, and uh, I, was, I was a hippie you know and dope smoking rock and roll play little snot is all I was troublemaker all the time I was in the wrong place at the wrong time all the time and, uh, and here I had just gotten saved and I didn't know anything about anything and, and all I knew is I had asked Jesus into my heart and, and, uh, and this particular day I was home and I had a cold or something and I was sneezing my brains off and which 
not a lot of work because there's not a lot of brains. But I'm just sneezing. And I'm praying. And I remember raising my hand to God in prayer. And I'm praying. And I didn't really know how much to pray about anything. And at some point, I was just so tired of the sneezing. And I say, God, God, help me to stop sneezing. And, and all of a sudden, I felt something touch my hand. Now, it kind of creeped me out a little bit because, whoa. You know, and, and I looked up and, and I didn't see anything. And I didn't know, did, did I hit the curtain? Was what, what was that? What was that? All I know is that I quit sneezing. Now, this isn't exactly raising the dead here. This isn't conquering the world. This isn't, you know, successfully living with another human being for 30 some years without killing each other. This is, this is simple stuff. This was sneezing. And, and all of a sudden, wow. And, and that little account so struck me. I thought, wow. Wow. God can stop sneezing. And, and what's more, he even cares that I was sneezing. You know what I'm saying? You figure God can do A lot of times we think, well, God doesn't care. A lot of times when you're frustrated and desperate and so you're praying, oh God, you don't care, you don't care. You don't. That's the wrong way to pray. I'm telling you, God even cares about sneezing. And has had an impact on my life. And then, and then, the next event, um, I had a few months later, uh, about six months later. By this time, I had uh, gotten together a, bunch of, a few musicians together who had gotten saved, and we, we were like one of the first Christian rock bands in America. You know, we just, I, I like rock and roll, so we started rocking for Jesus. You know, and and we had all this cool equipment uh, set up in the church, and. Uh, and uh, you know I was so into this it was like it was a, like a thousand dollar sound system which back then was a gazillion dollars to me and it was, it was so cool I was so excited about it and anyway we, we came in the church the next day and someone had broken into the church and stolen everything and I thought oh, 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 oh. they took my sound system I love my sound system it made me loud and, and what do you do? What do you, so we said, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Let's pray. Let's pray. And we prayed and said, God, we pray that you'll bring back our sound system. God, we just ask you for a miracle. Bring back our sound system. We didn't know how to pray. We didn't know what we were doing. All I know is the next day, somebody broke back into the church. They broke into the church to put it back. <laughs> and I thought, that's pretty cool. months later we we were praying together it was like 11 o'clock at night and and it was late at night and you know it's 11 o'clock it's like on Sunday night and, and we were praying so we, what do you want to pray about so, well there's this girl that I know she seems really depressed and, and let's pray for her that, that she'll come to church and find Jesus and, and so we started praying Lord we pray for so and so that she'll come to church and that she'll find Jesus and that you'll turn our life around and da 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 we're praying and we're about 3-4 minutes into the prayer when all of a sudden the very girl we're praying for walks in the church and, and it's like late at night and we went Whoa! And and we said we were just praying for you. She said, "Really? I don't know why I'm here." And she started talking, and we got her we talked to her, and she wanted to ask Jesus in her heart, and she prayed and got saved. And and I went home. Wow, this is very cool. And just little things, and it kept building my faith. Start little, even if it's with sneezes. And don't get discouraged when. Well, did you ever pray and something not happen? Sure, I, I never did become a millionaire that day. You know. And. Uh, <laughs> 
You know, it's all sorts of little prayers you don't get answered. But the little, but some of the ones that start doing it, it starts building your faith, and you can start trusting God. And when the bigger challenges come, and the bigger challenges come, and the bigger challenges come, you can just trust God. You can be like David, who started smaller. He didn't just all of a sudden, boom, one day take on Goliath. But he had had victories in smaller areas of his life, and God helped him to grow. So as you pray in your prayer life, number one, again, make sure you pray. Don't not pray, even if you just have the 25-second version of this thing, you know. But to take as much time as you can, offer up your concerns to God. Pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. Be consistent in your prayer. Trust God, and then experience him step by step. Little by little, so that you can start experiencing more and greater miracles in your life. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you for your kindness, your mercies, your grace. We thank you that you love us, Lord. God, I could go on for another couple of hours just telling all the little stories, little miracles, little answers to prayer. God, you've done in our lives. You've brought us so far, Jesus. We thank you that you're faithful and you're kind, that we can trust in you. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that they would grow in their faith. They would get to know you more and more, Lord God. They'd step out and start to experience you in greater, greater ways so that we can become a stronger family of faith full of confidence in your kindness, your blessings, and your faithfulness. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, no one's looking around. Maybe you're here for the very first time tonight. And you say, boy, all that sounds great, but I I don't know what you're talking about. I I don't really have any relationship with Jesus. Well, let me encourage you. I'm going to pray a prayer together with everybody here. And if, If we'll all pray this prayer together. If you'll believe this prayer from the bottom of your heart, you can begin this walk of faith. This can become your very first prayer ever answered. By asking Jesus to come into your heart, to forgive you of your sins, to give you a new start, a new beginning. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender to you this evening. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. I freely choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and help me to learn your ways. Amen. If tonight was the first time you ever prayed a prayer like that, I've got a book I'd love to give you. It's called Getting Started in Your New Life with Jesus. It's written by my brother Ed, who's also in ministry. It's a great little book. It has all kinds of uh, information about how to understand the Bible and how to pray and get to know God. Kind of just... Christianity 101. It's a great starter book for you. If you'll start, stop at the guest services counter over here and just say, hey, I'd like a free copy of that book. They'll give you a copy of it. Uh, so be sure to stop and, and get a hold of that because we want to bless you with it. It'll be a real help to you. And we're so glad that you came tonight and hope that you've been ministered to. Pastor Lathan.